I'm Tim Burrows. Upfront season is now at an end. It was the biggest yet. Traditionally, it was how the TV networks shared their slate for the coming year. Now, Upfronts has become a sales showcase for any large media company. Along with marketers, the key people they're looking to influence are the media agency chief investment officers. And three of them join us today. We have Lucy Jansen from Spark Foundry, Nick Thomas from Essence Mediacom, and Melissa Hay from Group M. So um, welcome along to the three of you. Now, later, I'm going to get your take on the the announcements that were made at each of the upfronts to get an idea of what really impressed you and maybe what didn't. Um, But before we dive into the specifics and Nick, for the want of somebody to start with, I'm going to start with you. Let's just start with that more philosophical question. Um, Do upfronts still serve a purpose for agencies and clients? Absolutely. I love what Upfronts have become. Personally, I love the energy, the effort, like the show that it that it really has become. Like we're so lucky that we get to work in an industry where, you know, you've got such passionate people that want to take you through what's coming up for both us as an agency and for our clients. Um, and we get to do it sometimes over a beer or an orange juice, whatever your poison is, and build those relationships, which is so important in our industry. So, uh, I personally can't wait. It feels like a big time commitment at the time, but you never look back. Lucy, same question to you. Yes, I completely agree. They definitely still serve a purpose and I, I really enjoy them for much of the same reasons. Um, I think it's a really good opportunity for the networks to to get in front of not just media um agency folk but also clients and really kind of pull together a a full summary of what we can expect for the next 12 months not just in terms of the content but in terms of um, data and tech um, developments as well I think you know for us to have a really good understanding of what each of the of the company's goals and ambitions are is really really important and then obviously it it's kind of brings back a lot of the fun side of, of what we do we do do a lot of spreadsheets and things in our job so to be able to get in there and uh, mingle with our peers but also meet some of the talent it's it's a really good way to sort of inspire and and bring back sort of the fun around what we do I think. Melissa how do you see that opportunity? Uh, I think they are actually very important I don't know if I'm as excited about them as Nick is I must admit Uh, But I think it's really important to actually have the showcase and it's around ensuring that our clients are hearing about it directly as well versus just hearing it from us and developing those relationships with our clients and ourselves. So it's actually a conversation that's three ways versus us just talking about it to our clients feels very important. But all of the other bits as well are great to bring the excitement back for um, people to get together as well. Well, among the uh, the media owners, we'll be talking about seven, nine, Paramount slash ten, Foxtel, O Media, maybe R Media, maybe Car Sales. So those are some of the ones uh, in the frame. And for people listening, um, later in the conversation, we'll also be having a a, a, a chat with the. the team behind SBS whose uh, upfronts took place after we recorded this but let's get into a few specific questions um, and this is where we ask people to sort of you know, pick out some some individual upfronts. Um, I'm going to start with um, asking each of you 
what did you see as the most interesting announcement of the season? And Lucy, I might come to you first this time. Most interesting announcement. Okay, so um, I think, I mean, the Olympics is obvious, is the very, very obvious one. Um, it wasn't so much of an announcement for most of us because I think we'd all, I think everyone had seen the Olympics presentation before um, before the upfronts, but I mean, I can see why they put so much emphasis on there. It's a huge um, event for them in 2024 and is also part of the reason, I think, why we didn't see a, a wealth of new programming alongside the Olympics. Um, so there was that, but the, the other thing really for me was a theme across um, all of them, which is about how we really customise the way that we buy and um measure for each for each of our clients so a real sort of move away from that traditional trading people 2554 for example and using custom um, clients data using more sort of sophisticated ways of targeting um, that came across in in all of them um, and for me that's a particularly interesting point it's something that that we endeavor to do a lot at spark foundry um, so it's great to see um, our media partners um, putting so much effort into that as well. Yeah, it was uh, Nick. I'm going to come to you next, and it was it, it, one of the in jokes at the after party at Nine's event afterwards. Was people go up to each other and say, "Do you think they've got the Olympics?" Um, what was uh, what was most interesting for you, Nick, from uh, from the season? I think this is an easy one for me. Foxtel for me have completely shaken up the industry they're they're changing the game um i think they'll become a, i think to use mark frayne's words they're going to become a case study at universities on transformation like their business is like becoming truly digital first um i love that they're just shaking up the way that they measure that they target like i wouldn't have said that they were going to be a key partner three years ago and now I look forward and I think Foxtel is going to be a key partner for every agency that's going on a digital transformation journey. So uh, I love what they're doing. Fascinating. Melissa, your take, what was most interesting to you of the season? I thought they all had um, very similar themes, exactly as Lucy said, and they all dialed up their content because that content is king, as they talk about. But yeah, their focus on showcasing their credentials in data and tech is is probably the most interesting part and how they're each going about it slightly differently but they're all really strong because as we move and our clients want more of that personalization and for them to compete with the other big tech players uh, they need to move forward so for me it's actually really interesting in that they're trying to keep up in that space and to retain dollars within their category fighting off the other big players. Well, I'll stay with you, Melissa, for the next question as well. Um, who most exceeded your expectations? On their announcements? Or... Yes, or, or on, on the announcements, on the way they did the night, or, and if not exceeded expectations, then surprised you in some way. 
So it's sort of two parts. I would agree with Nick on the exceeding expectations with Foxtel and how they went about it because they've actually just started that theming. They're putting it on an island. They're building the excitement. Um, They've actually captured the full attention of everyone to get over there to find out what they're going to be announcing and how it's going to be big just before you even get there. So the excitement build before you get there has everybody leaning in and then obviously announcing their big breakaway that they're digital first is, um, I think, one of the most exciting and, I guess, yeah, went that step further than probably the others did. Lucy, for you, exceeding expectations? Um, I agree with Mel that... um... Chopping people on an island is a really good way to ensure that everybody listens and um, pays full attention to all of the content. But no, jokes aside, um, I think I think what they're doing um, with Cantor particularly is is really a great step in, in the right direction as well. Um, I also did enjoy the way that um, Paramount tried a different approach this year, doing sort of more intimate um, sessions with the holding groups. I think that does allow for more questions, um, which wouldn't necessarily get asked in those big, larger formats. Um, so uh, in terms of the, sh- the way they were put on, I actually quite liked that that approach as well. Um, and as I said I, I, before, I think I'm, I'm really excited to see the developments that all of them are trying to make in terms of the way that we actually trade. I know that might not sound like the most interesting bit to some people, but obviously in my role, it's a really important piece. Um, And I'm really excited to see what's next, what can benefit our clients and really show um, the return on investment beyond sort of pure media metrics. Yeah, Nick, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to point to yeah the one that exceeded expectations for you, but yeah, it'd also be good to get your take on yeah the, the format that Ten had on the characters because uh, I, the, the session I happened to sit on was the media brands one. Um, but what do you what what do you think that uh, as a sort of concept having smaller groups? Yeah, I think smaller groups create a, a more robust discussion, um, like in terms of building relationships as well. Like you can really like start to read the room, whereas in those big sessions, like you know, like the big parties and stuff, you're never going to get that honest, direct conversation and feedback loop that you're going to have in the smaller group. So, I love that they're trying something different. But I think like just for me personally, I love the glitz and the glamour that goes with the big events. So like, I you know, I, I love the excitement that gets built up from that. So, I think yeah, Fox sells done a brilliant job. And okay. like and, I said, I who, think. That um, so who then um, who most exceeded your expectations over the uh, over the last few weeks? I think I gave it away. I'm pretty excited about what Foxtel's doing, like just disrupting the industry and leading from the front, giving our clients and and us as an agency so many opportunities to change the way that we've been approaching video. And I just I love that. Okay. Oh, well, just so- to build on the Paramount question, I I actually. It- surprised me the most because I thought that you actually did get a lot more out of it because it was that intimate setting and you were able to have the Q&A because you go into it wondering how they're going to wow you 
in this small setting and I, w- I walked away very impressed and engaged with what they had to offer and what they're putting on the table because of that intimate setting and because we were able to ask questions and interact and it wasn't as much as um, Nick loves the glitz and the glamour and all of the celebrities, they were there but they were answering, answering questions that were being asked versus just putting up going up on stage and actually showcasing their talents and my my sense as well was that they they did take on the hard questions you know it, although it was sort of people were asking by app so you didn't know what was coming into the system it didn't feel like they were avoiding anything no I agree and they've said that they will follow up with any more that they didn't get to as well in the session so I think that's really strong and hey and to to Lucy's point I think I I do tend to agree that um it's been possible to actually get really excited about some of the technology announcements and and the just the the, the means of trading but of course the i suppose originally the point of upfront was content so let's talk about that uh, a little bit um and yeah lucy i might come to you first on this one um what was the most interesting or promising piece of content you actually saw announced over the last few weeks um and we're not allowed to over... answer olympics for everything oh no okay i wasn't i was just i was actually going to say sport in general i think next year is going to be a really good good year for sport and 2023 particularly with the matildas i think um will only serve t- to help audiences in that space as well um we've seen brands doing more interesting things in terms of um, partnerships with sport properties over the last couple of years um, and i think the networks have done a great job there as well so um so Obviously, that probably plays more to the strength of seven and nine. Ten are still a little bit limited in their sports offerings, but you know they do have a bit of um, football or sorry, soccer. Um, the English in me coming Let's out. Let's just say football. <laughs> Let's say wit. Yeah, as long as everyone knows what I mean. But um, I'm hoping that you know the success of um, the Women's World Cup will actually help boost their audiences there. So even though they don't have a lot of sports properties, I do hope those will do well. Um, outside of that, there, was, there wasn't there was too much on, on nine slate that, that sort of came up as new. Ten, probably more things that have been on before, but a little bit different. So I'm a celebrity, for example. I actually think their new... Um, talent Robert Irwin will do a really good job. I actually happened to be sat next to him because I was late to the upfronts. It was the only spare seat, but it was great because he was so energetic and enthusiastic even from the back of the room. And um, I think he'll do a really good job. I think people are interested in his backstory. Um, what did you think of his singing out of interest? I, yeah, I mean, that's not his main role. So it's a short part of the intro, thankfully. So um, we won't judge him on that. <laughs> probably, probably fairest not to. Oh, Melissa, for you, what, what content got, got your attention? Um, I'm excited about season two, from Colin from Accounts. Uh, that probably was the one, I, and that's just a personal choice. Um, yeah, season one was great, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think it will get more traction because it won uh, the Logies as well. So it's gotten now a lot more traction and probably a bigger following. 
overall, I think everything old is new is what I saw as coming back in the slate that Seven have and the new program that they're talking about is bringing similar programming to the themes that are working. Uh, so, and that would be like maths, how strong it is, and I compare Honeymoon Island to that. So they're bringing in genres that they know have worked, which will be interesting to see. And I think, do we have enough of it already? So that would be my question. Or do we need more trash that people will continue to follow? Nick, content. Well, the weight of my heart is reality trash TV and you can never have enough. Easily my favourite was Honeymoon Island. (laughs) Um, Big Brother returns. It sounds like it's um, going back to its grassroots as well. Maybe a bit um, saucy, Big Brother, by might the sounds be, of it. It felt a bit saucier. Um, and I think that's why people go there. It's a guilty pleasure. You don't have to really, like, lean in. You can just be on in the background. It's kind of like the cricket. It can be on all day. And you can just, like, let, you know, you can just absorb that. And that's how I like to wind down from a busy day. So I bring on Honeymoon Island and Big Brother. Okay, well, let's um, – and we, we may have touched on some of this already, but um, let's let's talk a bit more about technology. Um Nick, sticking with you, what what everybody had some sort of technology story to tell, you know, whether it was um, Seven with um, uh, I've gone blank for a moment. I was I was picturing I could even picture the wings, Phoenix. Thank you, Melissa. And of course, I I did chuckle that that Ten announced that one of the characters in Gladiators is Phoenix, and Seven have got Phoenix as their new thing. But whether it's whether it's Phoenix or whether it was um, you know, nine with their technical technology adornments. Everyone had some sort of new technology adornment. For you, Nick, what when we look back, what's going to be the most significant technology move, do you think? Yeah, I think nines is more focused around the SME market. So, like, for me personally, like, that like isn't going to really help. I think Phoenix is a massive step forward, kind of talking to what Lucy spoke to before, like ease of trading, true converged audiences. Um, it felt like sort of the making of something that Seven have been on. Like they've been on a really long journey in the tech space and I was really excited to see that they'd finally sort of been able to bring this to the market. And were you convinced of that? Because I suppose from where I sat, it does, there, there was almost this slightly jaded, is this just Code 7 with another, you know, with another name? But do you, do you get the sense that it's a bit, it's real now? I absolutely believe it's real. Um, obviously, like proof will be in the pudding. I haven't logged in and I haven't gone through the details yet but excited to plug in. And if it can support the team to do better work, I can't wait. Melissa, what interested you on the technology side? I think Nick's right in the fact that for us and as for our teams, it definitely is Phoenix. Uh, so it will be really important and a game changer on how we operate with Seven. But what is actually interesting and how it's going to roll out and impact for the future is Nine's ad manager, and whilst they're saying it's for SME, but how they're setting that up, how they're using AI, it feels just the start of the journey and how that actually could become bigger. So that to me is really interesting. And then I also am interested to find out about Paramount's shoppable TV products and how that's actually engaging on screen. So it's not just the, it's actually going in and someone seeing a show going in and pausing and wanting what was on screen in that program. Do people really want that? 
I don't know, on a connected TV. So that, to me, that's actually going to be really interesting whether people will stop watching their program to go and purchase those pair of shoes, let's say. Yeah, and I must admit, to me, I guess the question I asked myself when they announced it was, is that just a sort of little bit of incremental revenue rather than a game changer? What 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 do you think? I think it's they're wanting to play in the commerce space. So all all seven nine and Paramount all have a shoppable product, uh, and it's because commerce is sort of a key area that uh, clients are leaning into. So yeah, it's finding ways that they can play a role in in that commerce world. And I don't, I agree with you. I don't probably think it's a big revenue stream, but I think it's important that they have something to offer in that space. And Lucy, what 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 else got you thinking about technology? Um, I I agree with Mel on the shoppable TV. I think it's, I wouldn't say game changer. I think it also depends on the category, the brand. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a a good option to have, but I wouldn't say game changer. In terms of the the nine ad manager, I do think it's a positive thing because it'll give smaller businesses an option to reach a mass audience and by the sounds of things not have to pay enormous premiums for the production of creative. Um, I'm not 100% convinced on the quality of that creative, but if it means that a smaller business can get themselves in front of a larger audience, then I think, you know, that's a a good thing because I think Nine will see that that budget is probably coming from Google or Meta, likely. Um, and for people who weren't there on the day, part of the demo was um, the ability to use AI to create simple ads. For the demo they used was for um, the, the, the the local restaurant for Telly's, kind of near the uh, near the venue, and just creating a thirty second ad just from the content of the Fratelli's website. Yes, recently. and uh, I, I must admit, I had to go and sneak out for a meeting, and um, uh, immediately afterwards, and I chose to go to Fratelli's basically as a result of the ad, or as a result of the upfronts. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. I was driven out in that direction. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So yeah. That... Well, it's, it's worked on sample of one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So that was the first five hundred dollars well spent. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. Now this this next one is. I, I feel like I can only actually, based on the conversation so far, only go to Nick first for this one. Who put on the best show? Seven. I think I love that they just doubled down and they owned South by Southwest. Like I think that was really like a stake in the ground for them, a massive evolution on last year. And I said, I like glitz and glam and it was all that. Lucy, best show for you. Tricky, very tricky. I, as I said, I did enjoy the, um, the Paramount um, sort of smaller, more intimate setting um, and I love a boat trip, so there's Foxtel up there too. <laughs> Melissa? I, I'm going to say Paramount, but only because I love dogs and puppies and I enjoyed the whole being told how to understand data with puppies. That really engaged me and I stayed engaged for the rest of the session. 
I suppose yes, there was a bit. There were different ways of helping people understand data because, of course, we had a, we had help from the home and away cast as well, didn't we? In the uh, in the seven up front as well. Um, and hey, let me. I'm not. I'm, I should have asked this before we started, but I didn't. So this is a question without notice. Um, I. I really like the setting of the oh, media out front. Did, did any of you get to that one? Um, Nick, you did. Yeah, I think O did a really good job for a business that doesn't have the breadth and depth of content that the networks do. Like, I think the premium Sydney product was a good strategic play to compete with the JC Decos and QMSs that are playing in the premium Sydney audience already. Um I think their Rio product, playing the retail space, everyone's talking retail. I think next year will probably be the re- year of retail. Um, well, if you were if you were a business and you wanted to set up a retail network, it's a plug and play, you know, product that you can use, which is great. And I thought their ESG circularity piece around like the poster literally being a hundred percent recycled and going back into the printing process, like there's literally no waste. I love that because it's, it's such a in an industry which creates so much waste. To be able to completely like to say that and put a, like a stake in the ground was 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 awesome. So, and it also struck me they also had the biggest gamble as well in that they did it in the Sydney's botanical gardens, which obviously it was indoors, but the walk to it would have been pretty depressing if it was raining. So, it certainly paid off for them. That was a kind of beautiful day on that morning. Yeah, it was a spectacular venue, really slick and beautiful. I suppose we should also talk about the platforms a bit. We saw YouTube coming out and talking about their wares. We saw TikTok doing the same. They they were both at the Horden Pavilion, as was Nine. What do we make of the platforms story this year? Lucy, what do you think? So I think taking the YouTube or Brandcast one as, as an example um, was very much, was a lot about video actually and a case study of how moving money um, out of sort of linear TV into that connected TV environment can um, deliver results. I thought it was a really clever case study to use. Um, for me, I think it's about balancing uh, what what we're trying to do with each and every campaign rather than making sort of sweeping statements about what all advertisers should be doing with their spend. Um, but I think they certainly had some interesting points that would get clients really thinking um, about where their money's going, where eyeballs are um, now compared to um, sort of the last or the shift in the last sort of five to six years, particularly. Um, so, yeah, I think they did. I think they did a very good job of actually sort of re rephrasing where they sit in terms of their offerings for clients and agencies. Do you do you think we're going to hit a point where any media company that wants to be taken seriously is going to need to run some sort of showcase event? I, I actually think they already do it. Like every media publisher, owner does some sort of showcase. It's just potentially not seen as this big in an upfront. But I would say across the year, that you would have every media publisher do something that showcases their product to ensure that the um, industry or market knows about it. And the other one that we we haven't mentioned, um, who also did an event um, and the first one in a little while, um, our media. Um, what do we make of the fact that they're sort of back in the market and you know seem to be kind of 
I, I guess, on the front foot again about being proudly a magazine company. Do we um do we do we do we have that sense that there is a place in the market for um for magazines? Um, is it a medium that can still grow? Do we think? Our media aren't just a con- aren't just a magazine business, and I think that's important. And I think that's probably what they. I wasn't there, but I think that's what they would have been telling the market. You know that they've got a breadth of platforms that talk to a really wide audience on topics specific that they want to, you know, that that audience wants to consume. And if you want to, if you want to do branded content, our media has got a really, really strong platform to be able to connect with audiences. Okay. Well, look, final, final thought from everyday. I think I'll just ask for each of you, when you look back in a few weeks time, when it's all kind of in the rear view mirror and you are, you ask for sort of, one thought or impression you're left from the 2024 upfronts. What's the one thing you're gonna you most likely to be talking about, uh, Nick? I'll start with you this time. That everyone's talking about retail. I think next year, like this year, was probably the year of convergence, true convergence. And next year, I think retail is everyone's got a retail play. Lucy, your thought. I felt that although we've heard this messaging before, probably for quite some time, I felt this year more convinced about the potential developments in targeting, whether that's targeting segments or using clients' data in a more sophisticated way to buy. And I'm talking more about um, Total TV. Um, I think that's wonderful. I really, I think it's fantastic for our clients. It's more efficient. Um, there are a couple of things that I think need to be considered in that, though, um, not necessarily as barriers, but as considerations. A lot of our clients are still um, media audited by external auditors. So I think it presents a little bit of a challenge for the likes of our friends at Ubiquity, if everybody is has a sort of bespoke way of, of um, targeting um, and I, I guess for particularly for global clients where some of, you know, the, the requirements from a reporting um, point of view are standardized globally. So whilst I absolutely don't think that those should get in the way of us developing the way that we buy target and um, across screens um, and other media for that matter, it is something that I think we probably all need to think about as an industry, how we work through that. And final thought, Melissa. I, I thought it was interesting from all of them, each all called out a massive reach number, a, a total people. Like if you, all of them had some massive big number that they talked about that they could reach, but then they would then divert and talk about the data and how they could actually go to personalization. So it's interesting that they're trying to run a race to cover to go, we've got mass reach. But, hey, we also can go into personalisation. Um, so it's to me that was interesting. And I, I get it because they're trying to protect one side of the rem- revenue with that mass reach and they're still number one on mass reach. But at the same time now they also want to showcase their credentials in the uh, data and personalisation and diversification in the products where like you talk about those um, e-commerce products. Yeah, it definitely was the year of talk about reach. Well, Lucy, Nick and Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us. Thank you. 
We recorded that conversation just before the final upfronts of the season from SBS. At the SBS upfronts, they announced limitations on betting, booze and fast food ads, progress on sustainability. Another season of Alone Australia, this time shot in New Zealand, and retaining the Men's FIFA World Cup. I spoke to SBS Managing Director James Taylor. As you might tell from the background noise, I was in a noisy airport departure lounge. He was in his office in Artarman. I began by asking him about last year's hit show, Alone. Yeah, well, thanks, Tim, and it's a pleasure to be with you. And, uh, you know, for those that got to see our upfronts yesterday, they would have seen Gina Chick in full flight. What an incredible talent she is and what a, an asset she is to, to the network. Um, you know, there's, there's precedent here in, in shooting in different locations. I mean, the US version, for example, has been shot in Canada and Mongolia and Argentina. Of course, all participants are Australian in the next series of, of Alone. Uh, New Zealand provides some great opportunities. Of course, it is cinematic and theatrical as a backdrop. It's an incredibly splendid country. It ups the ante in terms of the production values of the program because uh, participants are able to hunt using a bow and arrow. And of course, uh, that hunting is limited to invasive species, but it does provide more options for the participants and it provides another dimension and layer to the program itself. So we're really thrilled with, with the new location and, and to see how a bunch of Aussies go in that in that, that gruelling yet spectacular environment. And this one, I presume it's already in the bag, is it? Is it already filmed? Yes, it is. And how is it? Do, have you had a chance to see it yourself? I've seen some some early cuts, mate. It's, um, it's everything you'd hope it would be and more. Well, um, let's jump around because there's a lot to cover. Um, so turning to streaming, SBS On Demand. Now, you're allowing users to opt out of receiving wagering advertising, alcohol advertising, fast food advertising, which certainly seems to be an acknowledgement that they can all be harmful. Could you have gone further and just stopped taking that sort of advertising altogether? Uh, I mean, theoretically, yes. That was never something we contemplated, Tim. This is not about SBS standing in judgment of those or any product categories. Uh, we believe, you know, the purveyors of all products have a right to access audiences, particularly via a public broadcaster. This is, though, about providing value to both audiences and advertisers. You know, if you, if you think about on-demand environments generally and SBS on-demand specifically, users are, are, are able to exhibit complete control over what they watch. The advertising experience is an indivisible part of the content experience. And so, therefore, we want to extend that capacity to allow audiences to express a view about the advertising component as well. We might be the first in this moving in this direction. We don't believe we'll be the last. We think these three categories are a logical place to start. It's great for the audience because they get to provide us with information about their choices as opposed to us determining what we think they want. And secondly, it's great for advertisers because it means they're not paying to target people who have no interest in their product. It's a win-win. And, and I think that's demonstrated by the fact that, you know, two very large advertisers in two of these categories, Tabcorp and Endeavour Group, have come on board uh, enthusiastically in support of the initiative. Well, you've, uh, changing subjects again, um, you've announced that you've reached net zero for direct carbon emissions and that the whole SBS supply chain will be net zero in 20 years time. Now, not everyone, myself included, 
fully understands what's involved in that process and the the difference between scope one, scope two, scope three. Um, why will it take twenty years to get there? Well, of course, you'd understand that um, SBS uh, relies on a series of other industry players in its ecosystem in the in the conduct of making content and distributing content and, of course, promoting content. There are some things that are within our direct control, you know, the amount of carbon that is controlled within this building or generated within this building, uh, the, the, the amount of carbon generated by our vehicle fleet, for example. And they, they sort of broadly capture scope one and two emissions. It's the indirect emissions which take a lot more time and which require more collaboration. You know, for example, um, we use a whole range of distribution mechanisms and, and partners to get content out to audiences, whether it's through linear television, in, through their aerial or through streaming products. Therefore, we rely on third parties and their carbon footprint to, uh, to reach an audience member. So, so the timeline we've laid out, which, which is an aggressive timeline, actually, and, and, our, and the, 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 the most ambitious of any media player in the country, is really about us working with our supply chain to assist them in decarbonising their footprint. You've retained the FIFA Men's World Cup for 2026. Now, after the rating success of the Matildas on free-to-air television via um, Seven, um, did the rights for the Men's World Cup come more expensive this time? And do you actually do do you see this as a an exercise where the advertising revenue will cover it, or is this kind of something which is you're investing in because it's important to have? Well, I mean, you know, we've been we've been hosting uh, the Men's World Cup since 1986, and uh, you know, 2026 will be the 40th year of our broadcast relationship with FIFA. It's the world's biggest sporting event. So, so in in terms of a product, it, it speaks for itself in its capacity to generate large scale audiences. It also speaks to the DNA of SBS. We've got a long established history in football and relationship with the World Cup. Audiences see SBS as the home of the World Cup. And, uh, and, of course, it speaks to the multicultural values of the network in the country, a real moment of, of celebration. Um, these rights aren't, aren't cheap, Tim, as you'd be aware. Uh, of course, our decision to, to complete a deal indicates that we think we found a value point. When you look at the last Men's World Cup that we hosted in 2022, there was over 80 million hours of video consumption. A full 30% of that occurred on our streaming platform. That's a very solid marker for the relevance of streaming platforms in the delivery of sport. And I think, you know, Channel 7 demonstrated that very capably when they when they hosted the Olympics and they saw a significant uptake of consumption through smart TVs and on streaming platforms. That is our experience with live sport as well. Of course, because streaming platforms are very immersive and SBS On Demand in particular so, uh, when people come to watch an event like the World Cup, they inevitably stick around and watch a few other things. It was it was no accident that alone Australia followed in the footsteps of the, the 2022 FIFA Men's World Cup. Uh, and, and so we were able to retain audiences in our platform. We're, we're really excited about the expansion of the competition in 2026. And we think we're the natural home for, for the world's biggest sporting event. Widening the conversation around advertisers and, and, and advertising, one of the things that you announced at the upfronts was SBS Measure, which uses Experian data. Um, how will that change the way that marketers and agencies buy advertising from SBS? I, I think, you know, I think 
SBS measure is about allowing for more confidence in the buying community that the campaigns are delivering the outcomes that they set out to achieve. You know, there's, there's a growing professionalism around the delivery of, of outcomes through streaming platforms. We want to be on the forefront of that. We always speak about SBS being a premium video destination. It's got world-class UX. You know, it's the highest-rated streaming product in the Apple App Store, for example. Uh, there's a lot of love there amongst our audience community. It also has a low clutter advertising environment. It's capped at five minutes of an hour compared to some of our competitors that are at least three times that. We always want to be reinforcing our credentials at a place that is worthy of our of our customers' investment. I think uh, Foxtel have, have have announced a similar product. So, you know, we see there are moves across the market to really credentialize the streaming platforms as legitimate um, recipients of, of our advertisers' valuable spend. There's nothing um, lacking with Oztam from my perspective. We, you know, we remain committed and enthusiastic participants in Oztam. We back the currency. We think it's a, 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 a well-needed and, and welcome you know, a development in in you know free to air's capacity to to create a compelling offer to advertisers. Uh, that said, um, you know SBS is not a market maker; it's a market taker. You know, we participated in a market. You should expect us to be inquisitive about other marketplaces that other providers are seeking to establish, so that so can we can form a view about whether or not SBS has a place in that marketplace. You know, we've already said that. You know, our strategy is a little bit different to, to some of our free-to-air competitors. They've got very large linear businesses to which they have attached a streaming product. So, you know, I think, I think our strategy is slightly different to the rest of the free-to-air sectors. They've got very large uh, linear businesses to which they've attached streaming products. We've got a hyper-differentiated streaming product, which we treat as a destination in and of itself. Uh, it is probably more akin to some of the uh, the SVOD players than it is to the AVOD players in terms of the experience, the very low ad load. Uh, so therefore, you know, whilst absolutely Oztam is our first priority and, and something we're very committed to, we also need to make sure that over time, uh, our product is is marked against other markets where buyers might want to place their money. And so this is this is a demonstration of inquisitiveness more than anything else. And what do you consider the biggest programming highlights from the 2024 slate? Well, Tim, that's a that's a really unfair question, isn't it? Because you know, I, I think <laughs> uh, look, I, it's it's ve- it's a very difficult question to answer, Tim. Because you know, if if you got to see, um, if you were in the room, what I love about the SBS upfronts, and I think it's more true this year than ever before, is that. Every single program that we showcase, and there are many, many, many of them, is a proof point around our purpose, our curatorial and our creative values, and our ethics as a network. Whether you're looking at our drama slate or our factual slate, whether you're looking at our audio product and output, whether you're looking at SBS On Demand as, as, a, um, as a destination, uh, whether you're looking at our food content, it all speaks to a singularity of purpose and a real commitment to reflecting contemporary Australia authentically in everything we do. You know, obviously, there are some very big programs there, but I'm just as excited about the audio offer that reached small but very, very valuable and, and in need communities because it allows those communities to feel like they belong in Australia. I'm more delighted than ever before with the output of the organisation. It should also be worth noting that, that given that we're a publicly funded organisation, it's very nice to describe to the Australian public that, that public entities can be world-class 
And in this organisation, we are generating more Australian content than ever before in our history. And, and that's a source of great pride and confidence for the network. We've got Swift Street coming up, which um, where you know, Cliff Curtis uh, joins the cast, um, Tig Terrera program. It's, uh, it's a fantastic rollicking a crime caper through through a, you know an urban environment. It, it really is fast-paced, unique, and and has has been really fantastic. You know, a showcase of contemporary Australia through the content. Uh, we've got four years, which is which is being shot across uh, India and Australia, and uh, we, which again shows a romance and a love story in a way not often seen on Australian screens. And of course, we've got a whole series of digital originals coming out too, which is a, which is a wonderful platform upon which new and upcoming uh, producers and creatives can get a slot on a very large scale uh, streaming platform and establish their talents and their credentials for the world to see. The SBS brand lives through its factual output in many ways. I'm always astounded by the quality of the creativity and the, the new a new approach to storytelling that our factual team delivers. I mean, again, there are there are many, many to mention. Let's let's cover a couple. We've got a program coming up with Ray Martin called "The Last Goodbye," where where Ray plans his his own funeral. It's a fascinating take on on an experience that none of us can avoid, and uh, we're really looking forward to bringing that to screens. We've got the hospital in the deep end which features Melissa Leong, Costa Georgiadis and Samuel Johnson as they uh, experience the challenges in the public health system. Three-part series. They really get to see what many Australians don't get to see unless they're themselves in a, in, in a difficult medical condition. Uh, it's a program that's made with deep empathy, respect for our public health workers and really shines a light onto a world not often seen by audiences. And of course, you know, we've got a great returning series, Who Do You Think You Are? Great Australian Walks is coming back, which, which has found a fantastic audience. Gina Chick will be joining Julia Zamiro on that. Uh, Michael Mosley's back talking about Australia, the, Australia's sleep revolution. And, uh, and you know, NITV, of course, has a raft of spectacular contributions. Uh, Eddie's Little Homies, uh, which, which features former AFL star Eddie Betts, for example. So a really thrilling, exciting, diverse and, and, and deep offer for Australian audiences. James, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tim. A great opportunity to see you, mate. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.